Hi and welcome back to The Literacy Squad, a podcast for teachers where we tackle educators' questions on all things literacy. My name's Mark Nichols and I'm the Head of Literacy Development for the UK. This is part two of our interview with Brunswick Secondary College's Alison Zanzar about real-world strategies she and her colleagues use in their classes to teach literacy skills in an engaging and meaningful way. She's joined by Literacy Planet's Annalise Mitchell, a literacy specialist who has worked as a high school English teacher for over 10 years and has trained beginner teachers in literacy from early childhood to high school level for six years. In this episode, Annalise and Alison continue their chat and tips just get better. Well, thank you. Uh, um, another question I wanted to ask was, uh, what resources do you find most useful or effective or effective for helping students learn literacy? So you've mentioned, what was that student achievement framework that you were talking about? Or the, you mean the four levels of reading? Four, yeah, four levels yeah. of reading, right. Um, is there any other resources that you use? Uh, so look, we, we do use Literacy Planet and, and often it is to embed skills that we are wanting to teach. Um, and so the, the most effective way, I guess, for, for getting students to um, not just learn something, but then to embed it is mm. to practice what yes. they learn. So with the character, I'll, I'll base my discussion on that characterization unit because the examples will make sense. Yeah. Um, so with that characterization unit, um, as I said, they're looking for adjectives. We're looking in the physical appearance uh, task we're looking for them to show us their ability to use similes, metaphors, personification, mm-hmm. noun groups. So for each task, each unit, like a physical appearance, as part of the unit plan, every class has written in to that, that unit plan the literacy planet exercises that relate to that unit. Yeah, yeah. All students in year seven will do the literacy planet exercises on similes, metaphors, personification, and on noun groups, um, because that's going to then embed it. So we can teach it in a class, we can do an exercise in a class, but it's that repetition and them planning themselves. And they're happy to do this even out of class. So we set it sometimes as homework. Um, That reinforcement as well. That reinforcement is is what we use, yeah. No, that, that's excellent. And all those concepts that you're assigning um, through a, a tool such as Literacy Planet, you're using that to yeah, not only reaffirm, but also to build up the vocabulary um, that they need um, to be able to complete the assessment and, and yes. to even understand the text uh, better. Um, there was something uh, when I was teaching and I, I, I was kind of like um, the closed queen, like they used to dub me the closed queen. And I, I used to find that one of the most effective strategies for me was getting them to um, do close activities, but not only um, just standard clothes, but I would design them in a way where they would, um, the, the language that they're using within the close activity, what was the type of language that they would be using in their assessment? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that they're not only learning the vocabulary of what it means, um, let's just say they're, I don't know, studying Macbeth and they're learning all the different uh, metaphorical devices that Shakespeare is using, mm-hmm. but they're also um, when they're completing the class activity, the sentences that they're completing are the type of sentences that they will need to write. Yes, yes. And so, so it's really it's like getting them to practice that language. Sorry. Yeah, and the sentence structures, I think, is important to model those. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And um, do you find that, like, if, if, then, if they're only learning words in a 
kind of a context that's divorced from the context that they're learning in, they don't make the connection um, readily where if they're learning the language, it's like if you're learning engineering, every, all the language that you're learning within engineering, you're learning it within the context of engineering. Yes. <laughs> and so it all becomes, you know, um, interweaves with each other. Is that what you find as well? Very much so. Um, I can't say we use much of closed exercises here, but I think with Literacy Planet, they do use that because there are sentences which allow them to put those words in. Um, and so they are getting a sense of what those words sound like in a sentence and what kinds of sentence structures are suitable uh, yes. to use for that particular variation of a word. Yeah. yeah, and do you find that useful? Like, do you, as a teacher, like, look at the quality of the sentences and go, oh, you know, that that makes sense um, and it's a good way of learning those words? Yes. Yep. Yep. Excellent. It, it, it reinforces meaning as well as, as I said, the ability to understand what sounds good in a sentence. Often, um, if a student is not completely comfortable with, they might know the meaning, but they may not know the grammatical structures that work well with that word. Yeah. So I think the sentences are very useful for that. No, absolutely. And the more experience that they have, see a word in a specific sentence, then the more likely they're going to eventually mm -hmm. acquire that as part of their vocabulary. Yeah. Yes. And it is really repetition, isn't it? It really is. It's repetition and uh, it's also that a customization, you know, just hearing it around you. You know, they yeah. say the best way to learn a language is immersion. Uh, exactly and what the, I was thinking. Yeah, being immersed and hearing it in different ways. And, you know, that's where I think with Literacy Planet, there are different ways that can suit different individuals. So there are different types of activities that would allow different students to be able to, um, uh, to, to embed that information. That's and right, yeah. They, they will learn it over time and just, you know, from a variety of activities yeah yes. it'll um and some some will like others more than than other activities and that type of thing yeah absolutely um and one, one another good question that uh, i often think about is uh students that uh and in the schools i've, I've taught in a lot of a range of schools that some you have that are you know reading at the, le the level that they should be reading and some that are reading you know a few years um behind um or you know under um how, how do you uh, motivate them uh, you've already talked um, about motivation like you know ensuring you have the structures in place and ensuring the text is relevant but if they've lost confidence and, and they've started to withdraw do you use any strategies to get them more engaged yes so at Brunswick um, we have for sevens eights and nines every second or third week sec every second week for sevens and eights and every third week for year nines a whole 75 minute period of a library lesson mm -hmm. and during that library lesson students are um, expected, not, not just encouraged, but expected to choose something they want to read. And often some of the um, students, and uh, you know, often it's some of the young boys at year seven, don't want to read a novel, and that's okay. Yeah. Don't want to read a narrative. Mm. They will pick the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah. And that's okay. That's as good. long as they're choosing something they want and are interested in, but it's not just reading. So during that 40 minute, during that 70 minute, 75 minute lesson, they do 40 minutes of reading and 30 minutes of writing. And the writing is based on a, it's called a reader's writer's notebook grid that I've developed. Um, it's a whole series of activities that allows students or allows me to see what meaning they're making 
from what they're reading. But mm. some activities are more literacy based. So for example, it'll say, you know, in the section of the book you read in the last 40 minutes, pick out 10 words that have a silent letter in it. So mm. it's getting them to engage closely with the text, but with the text that they've chosen. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So getting them to write, write is that a reader's writer's grid? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I call it a reader's grid. Oh. these things called reader's writer's notebooks. Right. That, um, um, I know there's, more, there's a more formal um, template for it, but as usual, that those formal templates never seem to suit me or my no, no. Yeah, there's always that personalization. <laughs> Yeah, and you've got to do what works, isn't it? Like, if, and this is the thing, like, and this is why it's great to have a conversation with you today. There's so many theoretical paradigms and, you know, uh, research and evidence-based data, but when it comes to teaching, it really is the practice day in, day out, and over time you learn That's what right. really works, isn't it? What works, exactly. And so with these writers' um, activities, uh, the grid goes this way. It's got the four levels of reading down this way, and it's got the capabilities of reading across the top, as well as like a spelling, a grammar. So mm. the idea with that is that um, students who've lost confidence can pick up a book they are interested in, yeah. they want to read, and they're expected, and they do, sit down for 40 minutes to engage with that book. For some of them, it's just learning to be oh. able to sit and, and do some sustained reading. Absolutely. And getting that space to do that is really good. And, and having that formal space, hey, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, like um, a lot of you know, young people would say to me, oh, you know, I'm not interested in reading. I said, oh, there is some, what, I, I've known you for a little while now and I know that you're interested in, let's just say cosmetics or, you know, beauty. I said, you'd be, you'd be reading a magazine on that any day, right? Yes. They, they're on websites. They're reading all the time if it's relevant to them. And then we have magazines in there. They could choose a magazine to read. Yeah. If, if that's what's going to, and then gradually we might say, and now everyone reads a narrative. Yeah. It yeah. could be short stories. Yeah. For some kids, they might choose short stories. But initially, it's about getting their confidence up. Um, but the, the, the important part is we used to have just reading, and we had no idea what these kids were doing. They could just be sitting staring at a book for all we know. They were quiet and, and looked like they were reading. So the accountability comes from the balanced 30 minutes of the session where they need to then really closely, and again, the analogy, I say you're now like an ant in, on the page. You're not a bird on the wire anymore. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's um, really powerful. That will stay with them. Mm, mm. And you're looking at closely at, as I said, there's a huge range of activities that I've, I've got on that, that grid. Um, and they have to do with, um, a plot, they have to do with characterization, they have to do with setting, they have to do with um, sentence structures, short and long sentences, with um, verb choice, with adjectives, yeah. spelling, all of those things. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. No, thank you. That's, um... engage them. So the, those who've lost confidence, there's, there's no one that I've come across that's just not been able to do it, the task. Um, uh, just going back, Annalise, with that readers, writers, read you could, the idea is that with teachers, you could allocate the same task to the whole class, but what you'd want is to differentiate. You'd want to say, you know, this group of kids, you could do this task, this group could do this task, or students could choose their own tasks. Mm. And you give that variety over time. They've got a grid pasted in that book, 
those books stay at school. So we, right. it's a specific book, uh, exercise book uh, that we provide them. Um, and then we've got a, um, over time, a continuum of their writing. So we can see how they've improved. Um, which fantastic. We, we don't normally get because, uh, you know, the ones that you actually want to get a real sense of their writing over time are the ones that have lost the book writing mm. on paper, doing the English work in the science book. You never get <laughs> a real system, you know, happening. So these books allow us to see them. And they move from one year to the next. So the year seven mm. book, wow. books are now with the year eight teachers. So we actually have a record of how they've moved. Does this mean the students able to see their progress over time? They can actually go back through it? Yes, they get the books to write in every, oh, that's, every that's, that's yeah. really remarkable. What, what we haven't done as yet is, you know, done any sort of formal analysis. My next stage of, of my thought is that I need to create some sort of um, process, I suppose, by which teachers um, check the progress. You know, how mm. would they analyse that progress? And um, I want teachers in that, the readers, writers, um, in the library session, sorry, to be able to sit with small groups of kids and say, okay, can we work on this part? What text would you like to use? You know, can we, so just small group work, uh, mm. which we're not able to do as easily in a class. But if they're sitting down reading, we can quite easily sit with three other kids and yeah. do specific literacy work or comprehension work or something with them. So organisation is a really big one, yeah, to be to know exactly how what strategies and how you're going to implement it and what. Yeah. And, and that, that's fantastic. Uh, how are you going for time? Um, I'm good. In about uh, about seven minutes, there'll be uh, noise outside because the okay. bell will go. So maybe if we could wrap up in another three or four minutes. Okay. Be- yep. No worries. No. And it's been great. Like we've covered a lot of the questions already. So that's really good. And, and, and we've, and a lot of them have been touched on, I, yes. I guess um, to, to, um, to finish up. And this is something that a lot of teachers and a lot of my friends and something that I faced a lot in my career is the modern world is very, very noisy. There's a lot yes. of uh, challenges uh, or there's a lot of uh, competition for attention, even, even with, within our own lives. Uh, yes. I've got to be very disciplined, get myself off social media if I want to read a book, let's yes. just say. Uh, um, and ha- do you find, so what challenges do you find in the modern world um, that you're finding as a teacher and how do you uh, cope or how, what, what strategies do you use to cope with those challenges? So the, it, it's quite interesting that both the PAT data and the NAPLAN data show us that our students today um, or, or our teenagers today are very good at inferring information. And this is a skill mm. that is supposed to be a bit more sophisticated than just being able to you know, find explicit information in a text. But they are stronger at inferring information than they are at taking a sustained piece of reading and making links in that piece of reading. Right. Not surprising because they're so used to snippets of information. They're so used to, you know, TikToks and memes and, mm. you know, and, and text messages and they're texting six people, you know, one after the other, um, but they're not used to sustained reading. Um, and so what we're finding is that we need to gradually encourage them through shorter excerpts, through uh, giving them some idea as to how interesting it can be to really concentrate on a piece Mm. of writing to make deeper meaning 
through those four levels of reading and how exhilarating it can be when you find, oh my gosh, incy-mincy spider prohibition? What? Yeah, wow. That's crazy. And, and they do get excited about that. So teaching them that there is some value in a sustained piece of, of reading um, and that it's okay to have those memes and those um, texts, but there are different times in life when you will need to really focus on reading. And part of that library session, that 40 minutes, is teaching them to actually sit and read um, quietly and, yeah. and maintain focus. So I think the, the, the problems teachers face is that uh, we think we need to make things, kids often say it wasn't fun. Mm. And what we need to do is to make it fun enough to interest them, but to let them know that there are times that it, it may not seem like fun, but you will get something out of it. It's mm. not, yeah. but it can be quite rewarding. That's right. Like any kind of, yeah, um, task in life or any kind of work that you do, you get enjoyment out of it. Uh, yeah. And then the meaning they get out of the text and the relationships they're building, even with yeah. their fellow peers when they're reading the text, uh, that is a really powerful way of sending that message, isn't it? It's, it's kind of sending those endorphins, like, hey, yeah. this is actually pleasurable. That's right. And they need to see the book. They need to get the reward. Um, and you know, be able to to think. Yes, this is worth doing because I am feeling rewarded by it. Um, mm. And they get that from that four levels of reading. They get that from those vocabulary wheels. They get that from the readers' writers' notebooks. So we're hoping to um, cultivate a generation of um, good, strong readers who can make sound meaning from texts. Oh, I, I really wish that I was in your classroom. I just love <laughs> just love those strategies. Those... <laughs> Thank you so much, Alison. It's been a great pleasure uh, uh, chatting with you and, um, and thank you for sharing all your, your wisdom and knowledge about what really, really is effective in the classroom. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again, um, perhaps on assessment, if, you, if you'd like to come back. That would be really, really good. Yes. And uh, I will um, chat to you again. So thank you for joining me on the Literacy Squad podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Annalise. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. That Reader's Writer's Notebook session, what a brilliant tool. Our warmest thanks go to Alison for her time in helping us deliver this episode. We consider ourselves so lucky to work with such incredible teachers like her day in and day out, who are making the profession stronger and the learning experience of our students all the richer. And once again, thanks to English teacher Barbara Moss for developing several of the resources referred to in this podcast. If you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to listen to the previous episode, part one of this interview. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Literacy Squad. As always, drop us an email with your own insights, questions or suggested new topics for our team to tackle. You'll get the team at podcast at literacyplanet.com. Until next time, Literacy Squad signing out. <laughs>